I'm Kieran Campbell and you're listening to Sound of Silence. It's so hard to get inside the experience of someone else, to feel what they feel, what they see, what they hear. You can interpret these metaphorically, but in this documentary, a certain issue will literally be addressed, as I will be discussing the inner ear condition known as tinnitus a sometimes debilitating illness that causes various sounds to occur inside someone's ears. Hopefully by the end, you will have taken out of this a strong understanding of tinnitus and will feel sympathy or empathy to the subject at hand and its sufferers. According to the Action on Hearing Loss charity statistics, about 1 in 10 people suffer from mild tinnitus and up to 1% has the illness severe enough to impact their lives. In 2011, 10 million people had hearing loss, and that figure has been projected to reach 14.5 million by 2031. First of all, with my experience, I have tinnitus and some hearing difficulties. It is mild enough that it doesn't affect my standard of living a whole lot. But it does get in the way of such things as sleeping in a quiet room or trying to understand people in crowded places. It all started around two and a half years ago, quite suddenly actually. I was listening to music on my iPod and it was clearly far too loud as afterwards I could hear a dull ringing like a boiling kettle in my left ear. I paid very little attention to it though because it was only slight and I could only notice it when I was in quiet surroundings. Later that night, when I was asleep, I awoke to a screaming in my left ear. I looked around my room and throughout the house for a possible external reason that could explain where the sound was coming from, but to no avail. I then realised that it could only be coming from inside my own ears and head. To give you an idea of my tinnitus, I'll show you what I live with every day. Imagine the setting. I'm having a conversation with a friend in a cafe, and as the noises get louder, my tinnitus gets louder, and I'm finding it increasingly difficult to hear what my friend is saying. Take the test. Now when things are louder, this is what I hear. If there is a lot of background noise, it gets worse and sounds like this. <laughs> How are your stress levels now? Not much fun, is it? The noise is called a tinnitus spike. Now you have lived with my life for 30 seconds. I want to find out how other people live with tinnitus. I'm going to talk to a musician, a tinnitus charity worker, an office worker and an audiologist. Tinnitus isn't picky about who it affects. Dave Foley is the creative director at Scotia Hearing in Glasgow and has dealt with many patients with illness and hearing related problems over his 20 year career. A leading audiologist who also suffers from tinnitus. So Dave, what is tinnitus? Tinnitus is any unexplained noise that is perceived to be coming from your ears. It's not coming from your ears. It's coming from your brain. It's being generated inside your head um, by some process which we don't know. 
um, therefore there's no cure. Um, as to why it occurs, uh, there's a high correlation between an incidence of tinnitus and an incidence of hearing loss. Now that's not to say that everybody who has hearing loss has tinnitus, or everybody who has tinnitus has hearing loss, but it's very, very high. Uh, I don't know the figure exactly, but it's bound to be about 80-90%. So you'll find almost invariably that people who have tinnitus also have hearing loss. Has tinnitus become more common in the years you have been practising audiology? I don't think it's become more common um, amongst the people that I see. Um, Because the people that I see, the average age is Mm -hmm. 70-odds. So the chances are that um, any hearing loss that they have is just age-related for the most part. Um, where it may be becoming more prevalent is amongst younger folk mm-hmm. who are listening to loud music and being mm-hmm. exposed to loud loud volumes, etc. It may be more prevalent there. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is that it may be just the same as it was before, but people feel more empowered to talk about it. Um, whereas before, they might just have said, well, you know, that's the age I am, um, it's just something that I have to put up with it, my mother had it, my father had it, I just put up with it. Nowadays, folk are more vocal and they're more inclined to look for treatments or cures. What is the general age of patients uh, coming through your door on a daily basis? The general age of my, of my patients, are in, they're, they're in their 70s. We, we, we do see more folk coming through the door, um, but it's still pre- hearing loss being treated with hearing aids is still predominantly uh, an elderly uh, problem. Mm-hmm. But there are younger folk coming through now. You're getting folk um, in their 40s and sometimes younger um, who have hearing loss for whatever reason and want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. The roll call of the tinnitus tribe sounds like a bizarre who's who of famous figures. Chris Martin, Bono, Steve Martin, Pete Townsend, Beethoven, who wrote the Fifth Symphony, completely deaf, with tinnitus. Joan of Arc, Sylvester Stallone, Barbara Streisand, Charles Darwin, Ryan Adams, who has Meniere's disease, Vincent van Gogh, that may explain the ear-lopping incident, and Phil Collins. Due to the number of musicians on that list, it's clear that exposure to loud music is a leading cause of tinnitus and hearing loss. Ben McKay is a musician who currently plays in the band Edgar. He is one of the growing number of the younger generation who have problems with tinnitus sounds. And I asked him to explain his personal experience with tinnitus and what caused him to have constant noises in his head in the first place? When did you first experience tinnitus sounds? I'm not entirely sure where I first noticed that I had tinnitus. I think it was always due to just constantly being surrounded by large noises. I guess it's also partially in my DNA because my dad has it. <laughs> I think it all started when I was three and I went to see the Spice Girls at the SECC. Whilst I don't remember much of the gig, I've been told that I spent a lot of my time with my hands over my ears. 
So I'm guessing that'd be early damage because they were pretty loud. After that, it's just, you know, people keep talking really loudly on public transport, so I turn my music up and then I start playing in bands and not understanding decibel levels. And then, you know, after spending about maybe six, nine hours a week just in a small room with your amplifier there about a foot away from you and you're pushing nothing but treble through it for three hours straight, it eventually gets to the point where I can't really hear anything. Oh, I don't think I'll have it too bad. I mean, it comes and goes in patches, like, uh, it's most notable when I'm trying to sleep. I feel like I can't really seem to lie at rest because there'll always be that faint hum. And it's just sort of always there. It comes and goes, it gets worse. I, I probably should take better care of my ears, but my problem is that I have buy earplugs and then I lose them. And even the ones that are designed to prevent me from losing them, I somehow managed to misplace them. It is clear that musicians seem to have a big issue with tinnitus. Has your tinnitus impacted your music or your life in a band? In a band, it can it can affect so much. I'm expecting, especially in recording. Like there'll be times that, uh, like if I've just done a take or we've been rehearsing and then we go into record vocals, I won't be able to find a pitch because I can't hear myself in my own ear. Or you know, it'll be or I'll be on stage and then everything's too loud and I still can't make out just certain frequencies. So sometimes, whilst I'm performing, it can be a bit of a problem but most of the time as long as you're rehearsed then it, sh- then it shouldn't impact me that much In what ways do you deal with your tinnitus? Uh, I normally fall asleep watching like The Office or South Park or The Simpsons or perhaps an album like some, or never try and listen to metal machine music whilst falling asleep because that's just I figured I could, you know it's like getting like red wine out of uh, red wine out of a carpet you just put in more white wine so I figured if I get more white noise <laughs> then it'll just be like I'm listening to an album wherever I go mm-hmm. and I'll be fine that didn't work it just drove me to the point of insanity uh, Frightened Rabbits uh, Midnight Organ Fight very good very good album to fall asleep to because I think a lot of the t- uh, the tonality in the record is far more spacious and it's more sort of ethereal lullabies it's quite calming to listen to whilst I'm sleeping anyway so I can more drift off into Scott Hutchinson's like paint uh, his his imagery. Exposure to loud music is not the only way a person can experience tinnitus. It can also be a symptom of many ear conditions. These conditions can range in severity from mere earwax blockage or the common cold to ear trauma, meningitis or the earlier mentioned condition that musician Ryan Adams suffers from. Meniere's disease. Financial officer Daniel Jones is someone affected by tinnitus in a way of something other than noise exposure. So Daniel, when did you first experience tinnitus and how do you think you got it? I felt it one morning in October. Uh, when I woke up, I'd felt like vaguely drunk and the world seemed quite surreal as if I was looking at it through lenses which weren't quite right for my eyes. I'd reassured myself it was just a brief virus, but I was worried when it persisted and seemed to get like a bit worse. I remember going to a restaurant with pals and feeling completely disconnected. The dizziness wasn't like anything I ever felt before. My only recollection of it was if I had, hadn't eaten enough and I was like quite lightheaded and what you can't even get with a cold. But this was different. It wasn't lightheadedness. I almost felt half blind, especially when walking in the dark, as if I was struggling, as if I was in a strange bubble. 
and wasn't really on air. There was this like persistent hum going through my ears. It was non-stop and it was driving me insane. I couldn't I couldn't get rid of it. I didn't know what to do. Uh, after about a week or so, I panicked. I really panicked. I went to doctors as the sensation had gotten worse and my movement on my head made me incredibly dizzy as if there was something rolling around my brain. The tinnitus got louder and louder and louder. So I went to doctors and to my surprise, my GP announced I had labyrinthitis, which is an infection of the inner ear that, that may take a little time, but I was told by Christmas, you've all forgotten about it. I felt reassured. How has it affected your life? In my day-to-day job, I use the phone a lot. It's quite difficult with the tinnitus and the, the ringing in the ear. Having to speak to people and deal with it. Uh, Socialising as well with folk from work is difficult because they want to go to places where there will be loud music and there will be lots of talking and it's, it's difficult for me because there's the ringing in my ears and it's like, it's, it drives you insane. Um, I've learned to be more compassionate. I realise that because I look and sound fine, sometimes people can only relate to what they see and what they've gone through themselves or what even they think they know. I have so much more patience and tolerance for other people and their limitations and faults because of my experience with this. You just never know what someone else is going through. Sometimes there's a lot of mental exhaustion stemming from folk not understanding how I feel. When you look fine and you can function well, or like you appear to function well on most days, simply carrying on as normal when you couldn't feel further from normal is ex- excruciatingly draining. I think overall, tinnitus has, has affected my life, there's no doubt about that, but I'm willing to deal with it and as the day goes by, as the days go by, I try and deal with it more. Have you found of any ways to deal with your tinnitus? To deal with it, I try a variety of things. Um, at night time I have noise machines or like light music or a TV in the background to try and drown out the sound. Out and about, if I'm at gigs or clubs, I put earplugs in to soften the sound. Um, but mostly, I just try and ignore it so that it doesn't get me down and defeat me. Do you hope for some help in the future with your tinnitus? Well, I have a, a large group of family and friends that are like a support network and they try and understand and help me. And it's a day-by-day process, but they try and help. But sometimes they don't always understand, but they learn. In terms of medically, I'm hoping that in the future something could come along. But if it doesn't, then it doesn't. But we'll see. That's for the future. Many people have this condition, not just me. I'm not alone. You can go on the internet and find people with the same condition who can talk with you about it and share the same experience as you and get a lot of like-minded help, a lot of help and support. What advice could you give to others suffering from such a condition? I truly don't believe that these symptoms are a life sentence. Getting better takes perseverance, patience, good medical support and if possible the support of family, friends and people are going to stand by you and try to understand. Getting better frees the mind. You realise that your shift focus from actively trying to recover onto more interesting and even quite simple aspects of life. My priorities have changed greatly since getting almost better. You know, things that Alan saw as completely boring are now quite enjoyable. That I can do them again, that's the thing. The belief of being able to fulfil a normal role as a friend in person is enormous. Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars, one of the best songs of the last generation, and certainly one of the biggest songs of the last year. Say you were to have tinnitus, 
say you had slight hearing loss. Uptown funk would not sound the same. Take a listen to this. This is the song in its pop funky normal fashion. The one we all know and love. But if you add a tinnitus sound into this equation, and then you add hearing loss into this equation, It sounds much rougher and not as fun. This is what tinnitus and hearing loss can do to your favourite songs. I spoke with Nicola Ray who works at the British Tenantist Association branch in Sheffield. We spoke about a number of issues regarding tinnitus, her experience with tinnitus and the effects it has on people. We also spoke about the British Tenantist Association and how they help people with the illness. Um, well, my name is Nick Ray and I'm the Communications Manager at the British Tinnitus Association. Um, that means I'm responsible for, obviously, the communications function of the BTA, which covers the production of our information. It covers our website and social media, um, the production of our magazine, which is called Quiet, and also um, I look after press and PR. How long has the BTA been in existence? Well, the BTA has been ex in existence since 1979 um, and was formally created a charity in 1992. Mm -hmm. So how do the British Tinnitus Association help those with tinnitus? Well, we work to help individuals with tinnitus and the wider public understand more about tinnitus and coping strategies and raising awareness. And we do that via a confidential free phone helpline so people can ring us on 0800 018 0527. We have a series of information leaflets, there's nearly 30 actually, and they're lit uh, written by leading medical professionals that we can you know, give to people free of charge. Um, we have our quarterly magazine, uh, we have a website which is tinnitus.org.uk and that contains all the information in our leaflets but quite a lot of other information about our research programs, about education, about tinnitus news, we have a forum, we have an online shop, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we also attend awareness-raising events throughout the UK and also run our own tinnitus information days. Mm -hmm. um, we work with medical professionals to support uh, medical and clinical research, and we also do some training for professionals so that they can get the skills and understanding of tinnitus to treat patients. So we do that through something called tinnitus advisor training courses, all about tinnitus training courses and we have an annual conference which is a mixture of sort of scientific and clinical um, research and practice um, information that we run every year in September. 
In what ways can we get involved with the BTA? Well, there's a number of ways that they can get involved. They can um, call us on our helpline, which I've already mentioned, um, mm. 0800 018 They can visit us on our website, tinnitus.org.uk. We have a Facebook presence, which is British Tinnitus Association. We're on Twitter, so you can um, tweet us. At British, um, we're at British Tinnitus. We're also on LinkedIn, if you perhaps have a more professional interest mm-hmm. in tinnitus. Um, you can email us, info at tinnitus.org.uk. We offer membership, which is um, £15 for the year, which... Um, for that, obviously, you're supporting the VTA. We also get our quarterly magazine, and you get access to as many leaflets and um, all of the advice and support that you need. What do you see in the future for tinnitus? Well, people of any age can get tinnitus, including mm. children. And we've actually just produced some um, information leaflets for for young children because it's not known, widely known, but they can experience tinnitus too. Mm-hmm. I think the profile of people with tinnitus is relatively static um, but I think there are increasing numbers of young people um, who are reporting tinnitus we might not actually speak to them say on our helpline we speak a lot to to older age groups but Mm -hmm. we think these younger people they're contacting us via email through social media through accessing pages on the website so I think the the profile is is there and it is anybody of any age can have tinnitus and I think that's the message that we need to to sort of send out it's not just something you get when you when you're old and losing your hearing uh, is it true that you're the only support charity for tinnitus in Britain we're the only dedicated um, specialist mm-hmm. um, support charity for tinnitus and um, there are other charities such as action on hearing loss who work with people who have tinnitus and hearing loss um, but yes we're the only one uh, sort of nationally that's dedicated to people with tinnitus. Why do you think uh, there is only so few like uh, support charities considering the amount of like effort into other illnesses? Well, I think sometimes you don't actually need lots of organisations. You just need one that does its job very well. Um, and I'd like to think that we do our job very well. Um, tinnitus is possibly... Um, it's a disadvantage because it is such a hidden condition. Pe- mm-hmm. You can't tell somebody has tinnitus from looking at them. And also quite a lot of people do manage the condition very well. But we're here for the people who are perhaps struggling or they've just been diagnosed and they don't know where to go. Um, so I think actually it's quite helpful that there is one core charity because we are um, able to sort of concentrate all our resources. I've often wondered what types of music are best for soothing and calming the tinnitus sounds in your head. Is it classical? Is it pop? Or is it ambient?
me, I've noticed that ambient music makes me forget about the noises in my ears and almost completely tunes out the constant ringing. Music such as Aphex Twin or Burial are the perfect examples to help me. In an article for the New York Times, German researchers have come up with what they call music therapy that may help quiet the banging, humming, hissing or buzzing noises in the ears. The approach uses music customised to filter out the frequency of the ringing experienced by the sufferer as a way to retrain neurons and reduce symptoms. I've also heard another theory from the NY Times that claims more white noise is the key. If that's the case, it's time to listen to Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music. Fully. Most of the treatments that are available for tinnitus um, are focused on providing what's called sound enrichment. In other words, um, you introduce an external sound source from somewhere. Now, at a very simple level, that could be turning the radio on. Mm-hmm. So you've got tinnitus, it's really bugging you, you turn the radio on, suddenly you're listening to the, ra- you're listening to the radio rather than listening to the tinnitus, therefore you notice it less. It's still there, but you're pushing it into the background. Campaigns are very important for any illness or any cause. I asked both Nicola Ray and Dave Foley if they knew of any campaigns that they were organising or any campaigns they knew that were coming up in Scotland or Britain. There's quite a few medical trials going on um, at the moment uh, and various drugs are being tested. Um, I'm a tinnitus sufferer myself, so I've got a vested interest in it. Um, I hope against all hope that uh, something comes out of it, um, but we just, have to, we just have to wait and see. But at the, present, at the present point in time, there's nothing that's guaranteed to alleviate tinnitus at all. We're, we're working on a campaign at the moment about using earplugs and um, my colleague Emily, you might want to have a chat with her about that as it, as it develops because it is something that we are very keen to do and to promote. Mm-hmm. Has tinnitus improved over the years and what do you see in the future for tinnitus? I'm not sure that the understanding of the illness has changed a great deal during the years. I think there's a lot more money going into research, there's a lot more research being done, but, and this might be a controversial thing to say, I don't think we're much further forward than we ever were. Mm -hmm. Um, Put it very simply, there's no pill, there's no injection, there's no therapy that's guaranteed to make a difference to tinnitus, far less take it away. And I think in that respect, we're probably exactly the same position as we were... 30, 40 years ago. I think they're definitely going to improve for people with tinnitus in terms of the support that they can access um, through organisations like ourselves. I mean, we've got quite ambitious plans for 
evidence of improving some of the support that we offer. Um, there's certainly a lot more research being done into tinnitus than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. And some of that is looking really promising. Um, you know, there's now sort of more research into not just the basics behind tinnitus, but now look, actually looking at medications that can help. So I think that's all really exciting. In terms of numbers of people with tinnitus, I think it's really important that we get the messages out there to people about, for example, looking after your hearing if you're listening to music or going to gigs because these things are preventable. Tinnitus is preventable if you look after your hearing. Um, I think health and safety regulations have really helped in that people are not coming to us because they've had tinnitus through noise exposure at work but we are quite worried about people getting tinnitus through leisure activities. While tinnitus may be avoidable for some people, for others there may not be an identifiable cause or it may be a side effect of a drug treatment like chemotherapy. That is why we must take care of our ears and protect them against things like noise exposure, which is easily preventable. As a society, we can prevent tinnitus. But for those who have it, there is no need to worry anymore because there are many in this together. I've been Kieran Campbell and you've been listening to Sound of Silence. <laughs>